Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And special shout out to those of you joining and watching live on YouTube, where you can catch the show three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Gordon, you're back from Boston. How was your trip? Trip was great. Never been to the Boston Marathon. Um, I've been to Boston a bunch of times, but not to the marathon. And it was a beautiful weekend. Weather was awesome. And uh, the race was fun. I mean, I was there mainly to watch uh, JoJo run. And she ran incredible. She ran 248, which is extremely fast for a second marathon. So I was really excited for her. Excited for her teammates and also excited to watch a, a good race. Uh, Colin Benny running well. Nell Rojas running well. Interviewed Benny after his race. And uh, he just has such a level set head of like, he just seems calm, cool, and collected. Doesn't get too overhyped. Doesn't get too under, under overwhelmed. Just seems very cool. And you could see that in his first three marathons. He finishes top 10 at the trials. Then he goes to the Marathon Project, runs well there. I think breaks 210. And then Top American at Boston. And he's like 26. He's like still super young. He's, I think he is one of the candidates to be the non-RUP American, you know, for the next few years, right? Everyone's talking about who's the second best American. I think Colin Benny is developing a resume, a young resume that can, uh, eventually compete when he's, you know, in his marathon prime, which would be what, three, four years from now. So mm-hmm. it's exciting. Yeah. yeah we had brought, cool brought up Benny before. We had brought up Benny before as a person who coming out of the weekend, we'd end up talking about not one. That was one of the predictions that, that bore fruit, everything else we probably got wrong. I asked Alex and I did the recap pod on, on Monday. If you guys want to hear a deep dive into Boston and Chicago, I know you watched it, Gordon. So you've had time to prep for this question. Same thing I asked Alex. How long will Rupp's reign in the United States last? How long do you think he will be the top men's marathon in the U.S.? How old is Rupp right now? What's his age? 30, 33, did we decide? I'm guessing it will run 
35. Through, I think his reign will end after 2024. I think he'll still win the 2024 trials. I think 2025 will be probably his swan song season where he makes sure he hits the final, like make sure he runs New York City at least once. But I think he has three more, 2022, 2023, 2024. He has four more years. Mm -hmm. I I think even like an old Rupp is still going to win the trials. I just have that that vibe, you know, like an old Meb was still right. top three in the U.S. So yeah. I think an old Rupp will still be top three, if not top one. Old Obdi made the team again this year. And yeah. we've seen it on, on the women's side. The veterans do really well. Yeah. When I asked Alex, he said at least like this year and then another year. And I said, OK, well, then let me ask you this question. Who's beating him at the 2024 Olympic trials? You know, you, you bring up people. You bring up people like Benny or Hare or or Ward, and then you just see the gap though that exists. And yeah. Rupp is running as well as he ever has at the marathon. It's still tough for him to win a major because of that, or to to you know get 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 over um, that group of two hundred four guys that exist out there as a two hundred six guy. But in the U.S., there's nobody closing that gap on him. There's people that pop their head up. And emerge from the third pack to the second pack, but nobody's moving from the second pack to the rup pack. The rup pack, yeah, yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, Colin Benny could have a incredible next two years. Then by twenty twenty four, he's running out of his mind, right? But mm-hmm. we, you don't know. He's only had three marathons, and yeah. only one of them was a major. So mm-hmm. he's still got time. But overall, yeah. Uh, Boston's fun, man. You, you go great, great environment. It's hard to because I was trying to watch Boston as like a fan. It's not really fan friendly to watch multiple spots because it's a straight line course. Yeah, there's no yeah. like out and backs or loops, so couldn't really watch Joe Dahl until the very end. So I was just at the finish line, and I that's that's the only time I saw. Wait, her that was it. Life. But that was yeah. your effort. You because, went all the way out there to cheer, and you stood in one spot. I saw it. Well, you can, people on bike. I mean, I saw in Chicago. I saw Mike Smith on a bike riding around. Chicago's different, man. I saw Ryan Hall. Chicago yelling, run up the, and down the sidewalk. Come on, man. No, you can do that in Chicago. You can't do that in Boston, man. Boston is a straight shot, so you can't. If you only can see them max two times, if you're lucky with the public transportation to do it. And I was like, mm-hmm. I ain't risking it. I was going to make sure I'm there at the very end. So, hey. It's because of the, the dynamic of the course. You can't really Uber see broke. multiple spots. There's no Uber. You couldn't get your phone out and, and get a ride Dude, from place to place? No, streets are closed and all that stuff. It's scooters? not easy to get around. An e-scooter, there's no scooters maybe? In, there's no scooters in Boston. That was my number mm-hmm. one thought. I was like, scooters is the best transportation for marathon watching. If anything, yeah. at the Olympic trials, wherever we go – Lime or Bird Scooter need to sponsor the Olympic marathon trials and then influx like yeah, 500 or 2,000, 10,000 scooters for all the fans to go from point A to point B. But yeah, but the, the tracking app is really good, man. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. These marathon tracking apps are getting very sophisticated. Like you're able to know where they are every point one of a mile. It's kind of insane. Kind of insane. Did she, so. did she start? 
because I know they did the weird thing. You just got off the bus and started running. Her time wasn't too far from Shalane's. Did she start anywhere near at the same time as Shalane? No. So backstory. So Jojo's time going, her seat time was a three fifteen. So right, right, right. she wasn't allowed to run with the fast women in the beginning, which yeah. would start at 9 a.m. But she had a friend who had a fast bib who was not going to run. So she used – she had her own bib, but she used that bib that had a different color on it to get onto the bus to get, like, onto the bus quicker so she didn't have to wait an hour to run in the back with all the 315 runners. Because mm-hmm. clearly she could run faster. She ran 248. So – she once they got on, but then she had a blue bib, which was the I'm slow bib, and they were trying to stop the blue people from running to, from starting the race because you get to start whenever you want. But eventually, yeah. her and her friend were able to like sneak around one of the the volunteers, and then she was able to run. But she ended up running like thirty minutes after like the group of two forty runners mm-hmm. ran. So she was never with. Like, it's kind of funny if you look at her, her like gun time was 318, but she ran 248. Yeah. So she ran 30 minutes past when everyone else started. Mm-hmm. So, did she have people to run with? Yeah, she had a, a friend. I love people just turning into a JoJo podcast. She had a friend who was a, a male friend who was like running 250 pace. So that was able yeah. to help her kind of get through the first. She had a rabbit. Ah, so she kind of did, yeah. But her rabbit tightened up after Heartbreak Hill, and so then she was all mm-hmm. by herself for the final like six miles. So gotcha. It was fun, man. It was cool. Yeah, we're uh, we'll probably end up going to another marathon, right? And cheer her on there. You're just you're a, lower the time. You're a marathon companion, Gordon. It's impressive. I'm a marathon. This is your future partner, a marathon companion? Yeah, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not. It's not my future to run one. That's that's. You know, it's weird to see marathon is weird, man. Like people, they hate it and they love it at the same time. They're like, I'm never doing mm-hmm. that again. And then six months yeah. later, they're super excited to do it again. I'm just like, yeah. so when I did my one, you've run a marathon. When I did my one. Yeah. I did one back in, man, I was out of college, maybe 08, I want to say. And that was my mentality. And then like people said, yeah, you'll be back. And I never did one after that. <laughs> Not because, them wrong. because it, yeah, it did wear, my hatred for it did wear off, but then it just, it gets so hard to get back into the type of shape that you want to get to that makes running it worthwhile. Because I thought, hey, I'll run it, I'll qualify for Boston, no problem. Went south, ended up running 312, and I was like, this sucks. I did all that training, and I missed it by a couple minutes, because back then 310 was the cutoff time for the age group. I know it's gotten harder since then. And then, you know, four or five years later, I was like, all right, I'll take it take another shot. And then something comes up, something comes up. Now I'm to the point where, hey, I might as well just wait. I'm old enough now to what, four, four and a half hours or something is the cutoff. Like, I'm just going to be strategic about it. And uh, so I don't need to be nearly as fast because it is so much work just to get to the start line in any type of shape in a marathon. The training is just uh, more than half the battle, I think. There were a couple celebrities that ran. Um, Brian Darcy James, who's a Broadway actor, who was in 13 Reasons Why. 13 Reasons Why. He's the dad. Gotcha. He also played Shrek on Broadway. He ran 330. And Danica Patrick ran. Mm. How fast do you think Danica Patrick ran? NASCAR 
star. 342. 401. Oh. All right. So, four flies, the new Danica Patrick standard. Are you uh, <laughs> Are you in the Danica Patrick under. zone or, fa- yeah. or under? Over under Danica <laughs> yeah. Patrick's. I'll, I'll take the end on that one. Yeah. Um, all right. What, we talked about Women's Athlete of the Year last week. I want to talk about Men's Athlete of the Year and the nominees as well. Uh, we also were going to discuss the cross-country situation right now. We got two big meets coming up this weekend, and you did a big episode on how to fix cross-country. I want to talk about that. But before that, just as we logged on today, I saw incredibly tragic news about Agnes Tirop, um, who has died at the age of 25, according to Athletics. Kenya, she was found dead in her home in E10, where she was allegedly stabbed. Um, just obviously horrific, tragic news. Tirop was an Olympian for Kenya. She was the owner of the, the women's only um, 10K record on the road. She had bronze medals in world championships um, from 2017 and 2019, one of the Know, best distance runners in the world. So just just horrible news out of out of Kenya this morning, Gordon. Yeah, fourth at this year's Olympics in the 5K. So a lot of times, you know, you overlook everyone outside the top three, but she was in her prime, you know, of what she was doing. She showed consistency, getting medals at world championships, gets fourth at the Olympics, only just about to turn 26. It's just... Man, we live in wild times when things like this happen. You don't ever expect it. You kind of like feels weird. Feels like a, a fake movie uh, storyline, but in reality, it's you know someone's life. So Horrible, thoughts yeah. and prayers out out to the to her family, to the Kenyan racing community, to whole world athletics. Right? It's like. Mm-hmm. We lost one of our yeah. good ones and at a young age. So it really sucks. The, sta- the statement from Athletics Kenya says uh, they're distraught to learn about the untimely death of world 10,000 meter bronze medals Agnes Chirup. Chirup was found dead at their home in E10 after she was allegedly stabbed by her husband. We're still working to unearth more details surrounding her demise. Kenya has lost to Jewel, who was one of the fastest rising athletics giants on international stage thanks to her eye catching performances on the track. And it goes on to mention how she broke that women's only. 10K on the road in Germany um, just last month. So, yeah, like you said, uh, thoughts, comfort to everybody out in the running community, friends, family, and everybody um, who knew Agnes Tirop. Tough transition from that to to cross country, but um, I did see yesterday you posted, was it yesterday you posted it? Yeah, 30, 35 minute episode. We'll call it an episode. I was gonna say I was gonna say rant, but it wasn't a rant. You're calm. You're cool. You had Excel spreadsheets. It was good. The title of it was how to make a cross country, how to make NCAA cross country a legitimate sport. I watched the whole thing, but I'll let you obviously explain it because you created it. Yeah. So as we know, nothing happened in cross country last week, and there's a reason for that because our sport only matters really in November at the end of the day, but we could make it fake matter a little bit this upcoming weekend with pre-nationals, maybe a little bit with conference championships. But you could say probably three to four races a year matter for a season that's long 
and only three to four weekends or an actual weekend that the results kind of mean something. That's not good, right? And I compared it mm-hmm. to other sports. Now, obviously, I understand all sports are different, but I compared it mainly to football, right? Football, it's a fall sport. It starts September 1st, and it goes all the way to January 1st. There's 13 season, There's 13 weeks of regular season football, then a extra week for conference championships, and then potentially two weeks for bowl game slash final four college football, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of football. That's a lot of we're seeing the stars on our screens multiple times, week in and week out. We see them lose. We see them win. We see them go on streak. We see them dominate. The stars in cross country, we're not seeing that. We're seeing them once, maybe twice. Yep. We're seeing true freshmen not run until the very end because they don't want to overrace them because they're such young and fragile bodies, right? We see all these. We see teams like Notre Dame don't even run at their home meet, right? Not. Mm-hmm. We see other schools run like two guys and then maybe three girls or this, that. We see this whole thing that's crazy, which is called A and B teams. So – if you beat a B team, a.k.a. a team that has less than four of the athletes that run at the regional meet, mm-hmm. then it doesn't count. If you run an A team, then it counts. But here's the thing. No one knows what an A and a B team is until November 13th. So Ta-da! you may think all season long it's a B team and it turns out to be an A team and vice versa. And all this stuff is not fan-friendly. It's not easy to follow. And ultimately – it's just not a lot of racing. And so I thought if we really want to flip this sport upside down, you need to race more and you mm-hmm. need the whole coaches, athletes, fans, administrators, just all buy in that cross country is not a one race season. We should mm-hmm. make it a multi-race season where every race matters. Every race has stakes. And yeah, so I created a, flow chart of when it would start how long you'd race this that and the other thing and basically mm-hmm. it had we had a pre-conference a pre-regional and a pre-national regular season then you had a conference championship you had a regionals then we had a thing mm-hmm. called super regionals which i added which was fun and then a national so ultimately i thought it was a cool i i right, you can go watch the episode it's the nca cross-country show like and subscribe it's on the main flow track channel uh, but yeah, what do yeah. you think of my idea of basically having a requirement that people are running like eight weekends over a, over a nine month, over a, excuse me, over a 12 week period. And there was an extra round in the NCAA is called the super regional. Yeah, I think I liked it because I, it addressed the problems that I have with it, which is all the things you just outlined there. How can I care about? A sport when the participants don't care about it except for one weekend how do i gain interest in something if it seems as if the sport's being treated as an afterthought i think the problem is it's two different conversations what's best for the competitive side for the team versus what's best for the fans because i bet if you went and you showed this to a pro coach or not a pro coach excuse me a college coach they'd say well, yeah, Gordon, but why do I care about all this other stuff about you being interested? My goal is to get them to win, right? So I think 
basically two different conversations are happening here. You're talking about what's best for the fans and to garner interest in cross country. Coaches are only thinking about how do I win the NCAA championships or place as high as possible. So both of you guys can be right, but most people are not vying, who are, who are around the sport are not coaches that are vying for an NCAA title. Most people around the sport are interested parties who want to be seeing these athletes compete and going hard more than once a season. The comparison that you made to football, it's tough because obviously football is a much different sport. So I just thought about, okay, what about cross country at other levels? How does cross country operate at other levels? And that's kind of difficult because there's not really pro cross country. Yeah, there's the World Cross Country Championships and there's these cross country races in Europe, but those are one-offs. So then I went the level below high school in the United States. And how does it work? And it's somewhat similar to how you laid it out where there's multiple meets that they need to qualify through. Depends on the state, but hey, you got to get out of your league. You got to get out of your section, your region, your zone, or however you're doing it. But then the regular season, why do high school runners compete in the regular season? Because they're just supposed to. There's just as an expectation where if you participate in a sport, you participate in the sport. Because a baseball player, a football player, theoretically could sit out game six or game 15 or game five, or the wrestler could not participate in the match. But they don't do that. They just participate. And I think you touched on this well when you got to the, some of the counter arguments. Oh, they're racing too much. Oh, how, how are they doing this many 10Ks or this many 5Ks? At a certain point, you got to decide what the sport is. And if you're going to participate in the sport, it's not going to be perfect. You're going to have to run sometimes when you don't want to run or when conditions aren't ideal. But if other sports, if every time there was some little minor hiccup and you sat out half of your team because of it, people would look at you funny and say, well, why are you doing it? It's, it's raining, so you're not going to play the quarterback this week? In, in high school, if you went to your coach, right, and said, and I'm not, I'm not saying we need to go to the two races a week like they do in some, some spots in this country uh, for cross country and, and go full overkill. But you're expected to participate. But for some reason, collegiate cross country is this one area in sports where the expectation is that you don't participate. And if you do, you don't go hard. You're looked at funny. If, you, if someone showed up as the number one seed this fall and ran every race as hard as they could, Gordon, we'd be like, what are they doing? Are they going to be burned out for nationals? But you don't have that thought process with any other sport or cross country at any level. In, in high school, if Nick, when Nico Young was in high school and he was going for the, the Woodbridge record, right, and he's going for the California state meet record, we're like, awesome, sign me up. This is great to watch. That makes sense. He's a high school kid. He's going for it every single time. But college cross country is this one spot where that's seen as a, a negative almost, and then everything falls down from there. Everything follows that pattern. You mentioned, you mentioned it would be ridiculous if a football coach held out their quarterback because it was raining, right? Yeah. This, this isn't even that. This would be like a football coach holding their quarterback out because it's raining and instead have them do a simulated football game indoors while yeah. the other game is going on. Because we see yeah. these runners, these runners aren't resting on – the races that they're not running, they're working out. Yeah. They're doing hard workouts yeah. instead of racing. Yeah. It's not like these athletes aren't. 
we we have basically have decided that hard workouts are more important than races. And yeah, because yeah. Yeah. The coaches want ultimate it's, control. And I don't blame them because yeah. they're operating with the incentives that are given, but the coaches want yes. complete control and they want to minimize any variables and they want to have as much say in how the sport is run. And I get that. But their interest is not in getting more people to pay attention to the sport. Their interest is winning the conference championship, winning the NCAA championship, or qualifying for the NCAA championship, getting on the podium, getting a trophy. But they, they are one part of the sport. They're not the entire sport. And you're right. If they're, if it wants to move beyond what it is, which is there's a small group that's very, very interested in it. And there's other people I think who would be more interested in it. There's more people who would be interested in it if they took the whole season seriously. And again, that doesn't need to be seven 10 Ks in a row, back to back to back to back. But how am I as a fan supposed to care about something more than the person who's participating in it? That's strange. That doesn't, that's an imbalance that you can't correct for. You know, and there's like, a big reason the incentive isn't there, right? It's because everyone qualifies for the NCAAs in cross country. You are guaranteed yeah. a spot on the starting line at regionals. You can do absolutely nothing. You're allowed to show up and run NCAA regionals and have a chance to qualify, right? And that basically makes the regular season pointless. Alabama right. football can't just go O and O and then yeah, be yeah. asked to be in the final in the in the the playoff. They got to win 12 games. They got to win 11 games. No one's got to do anything, right? Now, sure, yeah. there are, you have to get some points because those teams are like, they know they're not going to be top two in the region. And so there is, there are some teams that need to try in the regular season to make the meet. But the top dogs, they know they don't have to do shit. They can just chill and mm-hmm. only show up at the end of the end of the year. And even top dogs in minor conferences, right? We see where they don't even treat conference championships as important because they know yeah. they would rather have an NCAA title. So just a lot. And also, I mean, this problem kind of bleeds into track as well, right? Because track has the issue of, you know, the only thing that matters is making sure, a world team. But, but, I think, yeah. but I think track has a little bit, at least on the college side of things, has that a, a little bit more of the just general spirit of competition, like I talked about with high school sure. cross country, where it's like you can. Why are you competing in the Stanford versus Cal dual meet? Just because, because like I'm on the track team, and the track team has to compete. Yeah. Like, why are you going to run hard at 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 this quad meet? You know, because I'm on the starting line and I'm just going to go for it. There's just less of a desire to have everything be micromanaged down to a T to where the person runs exactly 18 kilometers all season and no more, no less. And the paces need to be there. And maybe it's because sprinters distance field, everybody gets thrown together. And and because of that, it's like, well, I I don't want to have one, you know, sure. You have to treat every athlete differently, but I don't want to have this vastly, you know, different standard for everybody else, but you can, you can, you, you're, you're going to have an 800 meter run to compete just to compete. And it doesn't need to be perfect conditions because, hey, the team's out here. You, you're on the team. Just get in the race and run. Yeah. And, you know, again, l- listen to the episode, watch the episode. I think I make good points. Obviously, there's always going to be a, like, oh, what about this? What about that? Nothing's going to be perfect. But the problem is 
Cross country, the coaches are incentivized, and so you can't blame them to only care about select races, basically one NCAA champs. And other sports, they don't do that. Mike Krzyzewski, Duke basketball, doesn't think, I just need to win one game. He's like, no, I got to win like a bunch of games in the season. I got to go on a run in the in the playoffs. I got to like be on the entire time. Cross country, you don't really do anything. You can just sit out, chill, train, and then run hard yeah. on in November. So that's the problem. So I don't blame the coaches. They're doing what they're they're doing what they're incentivized. Uh, we just need to change that incentive and. It's never going to happen, right? Because we have this history. This is how we do it. Blah, blah, blah. It's not the same. But, you know, people don't like change. But aren't they talking about adding another regional round? Hasn't that been something that's been discussed in the past? I so think so. At least, you'd have, at least you'd have two meets going into nationals. Yeah. So you'd have more stakes there. I think the ultimate way to, like, get it to be really solved is you just need to say – if we just made a rule, only 15 teams are invited to every region. You got to be ranked in the top 15 in your region to go to regionals. Yeah. And then people yeah. will really think about what they do during the regular season more because they're like, okay, now sure, an NAU isn't worried about being ranked 16th in their region. But at the same time, if NAU decide to go 0 and 0, yeah, yeah. They're go- they're they're going to be like, well, you didn't do anything. You got to do something, right? So, you also talked about a minimum race requirement, know. which I think is an interesting tweak too. Of hey, this person needs to participate yeah. in at least a minimum amount of competitions before they're allowed to allowed to run NCAA's. I think would be interesting. Let me ask you this: I never knew that some going back to the high school comps here, at least with track, some high schools determine their league champions based on records and not just a league championship meet. Were you ever in a league that did that or familiar with leagues that did that? We did have my, my high school. We did have a dual meet record or try. So okay. like we had a one head to head record. So if it was yeah. a try meet, you kind of whatever. So but we there did was have a league loss, champion. Yeah. But there was still was a league championship at the end. But I do think there was a team champion, regular season yeah. team champion crowned. And then and I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like that. So let me be let me be clear. I don't yeah. want to no, I don't, like I don't want to so baseball or basketball or footballize it that you're keeping these you know diligent regular season. Re- yeah, there should be a winner and a loser at the end of these competitions, and we should talk about it and discuss it. But there there needs to the conference championship should be the conference champion. That's just how that's the best way I think to to make track work and cross country, especially because it's a different animal a meet with eight teams or a meet with 10 teams versus a one-on-one competition or a triangular. So I think the regular season should still count and these meets should still count, but I don't, I, I think you could still have the, the pressure and the stakes of a conference championship is still going to exist in the system. Just like with nationals, it's not as if you're going to run nationals and be like, okay, well that meet is worth five points, but, and the regional is worth four. So let's total it up. And, Oh, you know, the team that got third actually won nationals. That's not what you're, that's not what you're suggesting. National national championships is still going to have huge stakes. It's just that there's steps that people have to take to get there that raise the stakes of everything else along the way, ergo the regular season or everything pre national championship becomes more interesting. 
with people actually trying. You couldn't tempo you couldn't tempo your way to nationals. You actually had to run your way to nationals. And nationals would only have 10 teams. I would only have 10 teams at nationals because mm-hmm. I went from 15 at regionals to yeah. 30 at super regionals down to 10 at nationals. Would you enjoy you a national bu- championship with only 10 teams? That'd be cool. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would, my, my inclination would be to do more. I don't think we need to do 30, 31. Like, I don't think it needs to go that high. Uh, but I get why you're doing that. It's just to, to put pressure on those other meets to make it quicker and quicker. 10, what, what you'd have 70 people plus the individual qualifiers. I, I like my cross country meets to be bigger than that. So maybe 16 or some number that's, that's even, but the point is, is taken here that you're just saying, make it a more select group. So that way people need to run their best people. Now, would the NAUs, the NC States, the BYUs of the world still be able to get through running a a B runner here and there? Probably, probably, but it would be less common and it would be a risk and you need to decide as a coach, is it worth that risk? And that in and of itself would be fun to monitor because if you missed it, you missed it. Now in your, uh, remind me on that last step from super regionals to nationals, is it just auto qualifiers? Are you taking at larges? It would just be top four in each race. So two races of 15, top four in each race. So that's eight. And then two at large. Two at large, and that's selected by the committee, or is that based on like colas yeah. points type of situation? No, commit committee slash colas, however you want to do it. It wouldn't be though, like, yeah, it would be. I think it would be by, yeah, it'd be by committee colas points. Now, there, it's not guaranteed that the fifth place team would be the one that gets picked. Like, the, I would create a situation where like the eighth place team could get in, but that eighth place team has to be a team that was like dominating the regular season and had a freak, like, you know, see, I take that out of it. You... I take that out of it. I'd go cause regionals geographically based, right. Then you go to, but then you reseed yeah. them, reshuffle them up. Super regionals. Everybody's on equal five. footing there. Yeah. I go five and five. Okay. Like you got to show up on that day. You get beat, you get beat. I want to take the subjectivity at that point out of it. And I think, that would be fun because you can't claim regional. Oh, our region's too tough. It's, no, the super regional is not geographically based. And if you want to get in a good spot, right, with a high seed, win your region me. Win your region me. Yeah. Get in a better position for the super region. Or maybe you do three super regionals or something too to incentivize getting even a higher seed or something like that. But I like it as it goes along. It's just straight qualifying and way less at large. So as soon as that race yeah. ends, we know these are the teams that are in nationals. Nobody else is making it. Yeah. I like no, the idea. I, I, I like the I'll, idea. I'll, I'll agree with that. Are you going to present at the anyway. coaches association um, yeah. next they'll, year? They'll, they'll laugh me. They're like, no, Gordon, we are going to do what we've been doing for years, which is the same thing and act like we're not good. What's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. That's what they're yeah, just going to continue to do. So. But do they care? Do people actually care about fans? No. Because so, it's not a problem. It's like this is what we do. Like, yeah, this is this is the this is our sport. Why should we care about our sport not being cooler? You know, it's like this is what I, we I do. think part of it part of it is it's it's seen as because it's the track and field and cross country program, and I think it's just seen as an arm of track. 
So this is just this thing that happens in the fall and it's less formal because of that. Because it's a pretty, if you also, think about it, it's a pretty informal system for, for it's like compete yeah. when you want, <laughs> run whoever you want, show up to this one meet, qualify, and then you go to nationals. I mean, coaches like it because there's 31 teams, you know, everyone wants, yeah. coaches love being the 29th team because they can say, hey, we qualify for nationals. It's like an achievement, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. it looks good. So. You know, and also they like that everyone gets to go to NCAA regionals. Like, hey, we're going to NCAAs. So coaches like to be able to put on their resume NCAA qualifier, you know, and mm-hmm. when you make it harder to qualify, it coaches aren't going to like that. They want to be able to have something to brag about. So, anyway, check out the show. It's called the NCAA Cross Country show. show, it's on the regular Flow Track YouTube page uh for he's four episodes in next week you're gonna do a, a big recap of what happens on it's friday correct yeah it's friday yeah okay is that gonna happen before we do the Pre-nats pod or while we're in the pod it's probably i think it'll happen it'll happen right after we do the pod okay we should do a preview yeah. it goes out of date immediately we should preview nutty comb and pre-nats oh, an hour before the race starts i think that'd be great uh yeah, I mean NC State BYU is going to be exciting on the women's side at Nuttycomb. That's the, the the main matchup I'm I'm watching for. We'll see. We'll see who runs. And then at see who runs. Pre-Nats NAU and Notre Dame are running. So there you go. But oh, you want you want to talk about? Oh. I can already talk about why. So pre-Nats are like all right. At least we can get pre-Nats. Alabama number four ranked team in the nation. They're running in the B heat at pre-Nats. There you go. The number four team at Prenats is not going to run. They're they're purposely being in the in the slow heat. If that doesn't sum up why our this is a problem, there you go. Alabama, number four team in the nation, is going to run in the B heat at the pre national meet. Yeah, because you know, trust the process, the process? of yeah. peaking at the right moment in November. That's, that, I mean that 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 situation. Just Notre Dame not running at their home meet and Alabama running in the slow section shows that there's a flaw in the system. Now I don't mm-hmm. blame Alabama coach. Don't blame Notre Dame coach because they're all thinking about November. They don't care about mm-hmm. races in October. And I was like, all right, if you don't care about it, why should we care about it? Here's the flip side of that, though. Do you think some of these teams would benefit from racing more, and some of these athletes would benefit from racing more? Because everybody seems to follow the yeah. same pattern here, which is you 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 bounce between race barely at all and race not that much. Those are the two yeah. choices that you have as an NCAA cross-country runner. There's got to be somebody out there whose body would respond and would be better with uh, – I, I wouldn't even say a lot of racing because it's not. <laughs> Just a few races, a few hard efforts. And I know you're saying they do that in workouts. But like think – like imagine if like the projected top five teams of on the men's and women's sides, imagine if before nationals, they had raced each other four times. Yeah. And that nationals was the fifth time they were racing each other. I think like it would just be a different vibe and environment because you're like, all right, we know this, this is round five. Well, I'm saying, you know? well, well, I know, but what I'm pushing back on is this commonly accepted 
thought that there's one way to do this, even given the constraints. And the one way to do this is to race three times. And two of those times are jogs. And one of those are hard. Like, does everybody's body work the same way? Just a thought. Ask Mike yeah, Smith next time you talk to him. Be like, Mike, hey, uh, Mike, hey, uh, the mind and the body are uh, interconnected. Don't say that, though. That didn't Mike is sense. two for two on predicting JoJo's times based off of what I send him the workouts she does, and I say, what can she run? And then he says the time, and that's exactly what she ran. Really? Predicted a 17. Yeah. I said, what she can run a 5K? He said, 17 flat. And then she ran 1702. I said, well, will she run the marathon in? He said, 249 to 246. Lock it in. And then she runs 248. Wow. Okay, maybe he Mike's does know how often he should. He Maybe he <laughs> does know how often his athletes should race. I take that part back. Uh, apologies. I should not have questioned it. That's impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the men's athlete of the year discussion. So last week with the women, we just said, I don't even think we really picked. We just said, hey, of these five, who should be the three that get the invite or who would be the three finalists? And we agreed Safan Hassan, Yulamar Rojas, and Elaine Thompson-Hurrah after a spirited debate would be our three. For the men, it's a clear two. Clear two. And then the argument would be over the third. Although I think... I think there's one person who would get that third spot, but the clear two are obviously, and we can talk about the top three. We can just talk about who you think should win too. Uh, Krauser and, and Warholm. So Ryan Krauser goes 15 and 0 this year in finals. He's got four 23 meter throws. He breaks the world record. He ends the year with the top three marks in history, Gordon. And then on the other side of that, you got Carson Warholm, broke the world record twice, won the Olympic title, five and 0 in Olympic final, or sorry, in Formula Hurdle final. So downside for Warholm here, only raced in five finals. Krauser competed 15 times. Both all-time marks. I don't know how you'd separate them. It's going to be tough. I think I would give the edge to Krauser, but what do you think between those two? Should we do a pros and cons for like our top five, the way we did it for the women? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so let's run through it. Let's, so start pros with, and cons. let's start with Warholm. Let's start with Warholm. Pros and cons. Okay. Go. Pros what are your pros and are, cons? Uh, so pros and cons, the case for and against Warholm here as Athlete of the Year. So obviously, birth the world record twice, as I mentioned, undefeated in four-meter hurdles. He ran some other races too, so like 300-meter hurdles and a flat 400. You can throw those in there as well. But I'm mainly going to just focus on the four-meter hurdles. The mark was an all-time mark, was a, was a mark so far beyond what we ever could have imagined was possible, even from him, that 45.94. And the 45.94 is the strongest case for him. Case against would be that he only competed in five finals. And we talked about this when we discussed the women's athlete of the year. It's athlete of the year. It's not just race of the year or record of the year. So it's really tough competition. You got to look at the whole body of work. So. I would say the main drawback for Warholm was that just he did not run in that many 400-meter hurdle finals. The, they were spectacular when he did, but that would be his only only drawback. If he was as busy as he was in previous seasons, uh, he would have a, an even stronger case. I agree. His pros, obviously, 
are exactly what we think they are. His his performances, his record, incredible, and that Olympic title override override Benjamin. So it took mm-hmm. two world records to break the world record. If that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. The cons um, also like is it a con? His when he showed up to do that flat four hundred and he just jogged. Everyone's like, "What can he run a flat four hundred in?" And then he just like, just half asses his way through around the track. Will Will he get docked a point for lack of effort in that post Olympic four hundred flat? To me, that race was only to add points. I wasn't going to take anything away because it was right off the Olympics too, and it's not his main event. But running forty five five does not get you any new points. I'll just say that. Yeah, that's okay. uh, that 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 did not add anything to Warholm's case um yeah the the, the you know forty five ninety four. it's still nuts to say that time out loud and he had to beat you're right the second best man in history and the third best man in history in that race the competition was was stout was stellar so that's how i see the case for for warholm another con for him is he's competing against himself a bit here because you know, the expectations were so high going into the year. Because if you look at his 2020, he was one of the few athletes who really took a lot of shots in 2020, like really went for it, right? He ran the, the 4687 in in 2020. He ran a 4707. He ran a 4708. He put a lot of all-time marks on the board in 2020, which, you know, raised that expectation. Now, he outdid it when he ran – sub 46 um but i think there was a little bit of that in play as well yeah i agree with that brian krauser pros and cons brian krauser pros for krauser competed a bunch 15 and 0 in finals everything was spectacular he ends the year top three marks in history world record he had four 23-meter throws. Going into the year, Gordon, only two men had broken 23, and he did it four times himself. I'm struggling to find a con or a case against Ryan Krauser. This is his, this is almost perfection. You, you go back and you look at his season, and because he's a field of an athlete, Probably didn't even know we were all locked in and he was he was making it so exciting. Just the amount, forget 23s, the amount of times he threw 22 high was was bananas. And he completed indoors a bunch. Broke the world record indoors too. I guess we could mention that. Um, outdoors, I don't know what else he could have done here. So this is, it's almost a perfect season. Yeah, I don't know what else he could have done either. It's, I think, now looking back at it, I think one of Carson Warholm's cons is the presence of Ryan Krauser. Because when you juxtapose him to to Krauser, you just see, you you think Carson's dominant? Uh, Mm -hmm. Look what Ryan is doing in the, yeah, in, in the shot put ring. Like, it's utterly insane. There are so many throws that Ryan Krauser has thrown in round three, four, two, that are yeah, just yeah. going to forever be forgotten, that are like yeah. the greatest throws ever. He has so many throws that are just 
kind of like erased from the history books because he chooses to like do better than those in that round of six. That's just like, that's what's crazy about it. You, there are some of his marks you just can't find because they were like his third best mark in a competition yeah. on a Tuesday that happened to be like 22-9. And he's like, oh yeah, whatever. Was, yeah. That was a throwaway. Like he's going to get so good. He might start purposely fouling when he's under 22. 22s. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, 22 meters. Foul. I'll just step on. The, I, I don't want that on my record book. Like he's, he's getting too good where he's not going to want 22 meters on his record. He's just not like, you know, when they throw a bad throw, they purposely foul. He's yeah. Start purposely fouling 22 meter throws. That's how good he is. So shot put and, and field event lists sometimes can be misleading because they only post your winning mark. So they yeah. don't post throws or jumps on the way to the winning mark. Because if you look in terms of winning marks, 2190 is 12th all time, 12th all time. But then you take his series. I'll just throw one out here. Let's go to, to the Olympics. 2283, 2293, 2286, 2274, 2254, and then the 233. So he threw a 239 in there, which on uh, you know by itself would be 12th best all time. Then he threw a a, a two twenty two eights, and then a 227. That's exactly what you're talking about. Because you go and you look at the all time list, and you go down, and you look at the ants, you know, marks during the series. He's got the best six throws. In history, and they're all from this year 95, 2295, 2293, 2290, 2289, 2286, 2286. And what I mean by that is those are his second, and in some cases, I think might be his third best throws if they're in the same competition. Those are better than most, like those alone would be all time marks, and they're not even categorized because they weren't his winning marks. They're not even all time on his day. Yes. It's a. Exactly, exactly, exactly. His third best throw in a day. Is like the best throw in the past fifty years for the rest of the world. It's just like yes, crazy. Yeah. Um. So for me, it's clear because of what we're saying. It's Krauser one, Warholm two. Then you get to three, and three is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mondo has a strong case. He lost twice, but he got gold, and he had the best eight marks of the year well over six meters on a number of occasions. You could throw Jakob Ingebrigtsen in there as well too. Olympic champion in the 1500, 12.48 in the 5K. Lost a couple times, which you know, he competed a bunch. But when you're at this level, like you have to find something to to separate these group these guys. And then I put Danny Stahl in there, discus guy, one loss, two best throws of the year, You know, dominated the discus as per usual. Is there somebody else I should consider. I felt like the sprinters, Gordon, there's just so much parody. I couldn't pull one of them out. And same thing on the distance side. You could like longer distance, you know, Chepta guy didn't double. He would have been the candidate for, for that slot. And he also, you know, he lost early on in that 5k that Jakob won. So I don't, I don't think he had the regular season necessary as well too. Yeah. So you, I was thinking Duplantis might get kind of side, like kind of negate, negated or overlooked because Oversh- he won yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, we want to get a sprinter in here. But like you said, the sprinters, they all beat up each other. 
DeGrasse, Benaric, Curley, you could say those are the big three, you know. But, you know, you also have the Olympic champ in from in Jacobs. You have a Noah Lyles. You have a Trayvon Bromel mm-hmm. who has the fastest time of the year. So, but we can argue the Grass, Ben, Eric, and Curly are those the big three from, like, you could argue for and against all three of them against each other. They're like playing rock, paper, scissors, shoot against each other. And they're all tying. You know, one has paper, one has rock, and one has scissors. Mm-hmm. And so it's a three-way tie. So, I think because there's no true sprinter standing out, I do think Duplantis will probably get that third spot. Damian Warner, decathlete. Yep, good one. Uh, not, it's it's good, but I think people are. What did what did he end up? Where was his mark? Nine. So he did go over nine thousand, which doesn't yeah. happen that often. So that is something. So maybe they'll give it to him. But then it's Warner, like, well, we, Duplantis broke the world record, so kind of want to give it to the world record guy. So, I don't know. Here's a question. Well, the world record if was Grant Holloway. That was 2020 world record. Oh, that was 2020. Okay. 20, if, yeah, yeah. If, if Grant Holloway would have won Olympic, the Olympics, would he have been the guy to take the third spot? I don't think, I don't think he competed enough. I don't think he, he raced enough. He would have had to done some diamond leagues. Because look at Stephen Gardner. I think Stephen Gardner has the best case of sprinters out, like or or short hurdlers, because he, he went undefeated in the quarter this year. Ran forty three eighty five at the Olympics, was somewhat dominant, had tied for the fastest time in the world this year. But I think he would, he would have as good a case as I get. It would have been, I guess, Holloway would have needed to if Holloway broke the world record, then it would have gotten interesting. But like, look at Holloway's competitions; it's kind of nuts. But Holloway would have. I think Holloway would have ran post Olympics if he won. I think because he lost is why he shut it down. So he gets the world record in the um, indoor sixty, but like he didn't race. He raced once, twice if you count the Olympics outside of the U.S. So Miramar, Gainesville, Jacksonville, Boston, Jacksonville again, Eugene for the trials, Sheikh Eshkavayevar for the Continental Tour, and then Tokyo. That was it. So he raced once in June, yeah. once in July, and once in August. It's just like it looks like he raced a lot because he's racing a bunch in April, but there were no Diamond League appearances at all. But you, maybe you're right. The big what if would be wins the Olympics, breaks the world record, goes and wins the Diamond League title. Then, yeah, it's a different conversation. But let's be clear. Yeah. This is a clear two-person race here with Krauser and Warholm. I think Krauser – then I think Warholm, and then I think Warner is a good is a good pick as well too. So I I think it would be between Mondo and and Damon Warner for that for that third finalist spot. Jakob would be in the mix as well too. I think if Jakob had had yeah. run the you know beaten Chariot again in the fifteen post Olympics, maybe that would have been enough. But again, it's just it's just so tough. And to compare what. Jakob did to a decathlete is tough. I mean, 9,018 9, points is, is, is legit for him. And he also won Gotzi. So he, he competed as pretty much as much as a decathlete can compete in a year, twice. Like a cross country runner, like a cross country runner. <laughs> and one. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just do two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, yeah, you look at the all time list in the, the decathlon. 
he's number five or number four. It's Kevin Mayer, Ashton Eaton, Roman Severly, and Damian Warner. So I think it's, I think you got to give him credit for doing as much as he can, giving him, uh, like given the constraints of his event. So, but then again, yeah, you're going, you're going against Mondo, who again, he had a loss this year, two losses this year, but it's the pole vault. Weird things happen, and he was absolutely dominant um, in terms of marks. So here's a question for you. Do you think World Athletics, in order to kind of justify their new ranking system, are going to make sure that their three finalists are the top three ranked athletes? Because on the women's side, the top three ranked athletes are Thompson, Hurrah, Hassan, and Rojas. So that kind of works out, right? You kind of would argue that's a good top three. On the men's side, it is Warholm, Krauts, or Duplantis. So mm-hmm. they could be like, hey, that works out. And so they're able to say, hey, our rankings, you know, they do a good job at formulating the top yeah. three for the year. I think the rankings might actually win athlete of the year. They might present it to the to the rankings themselves. <laughs> a computer is going to go out and accept it. Plot twist. Yeah, why not? Like IBM Watson type type deal. <laughs> when they play chess against a computer, it's like Deep Blue versus Gary Kasparov or something like that. Uh, so hold on. So what are you saying? So you're saying that they would get who would they who would that favor? Well, the favorite Duplantis to get third spot because he's ranked third on the rankings. Yeah, but those other guys are where? Hold on, where's Warner? Let me pull this up. Warner is seventh. But again, it's harder to rank the Catholic because he only has two marks. Is Yeah. I think what they... Meeting and Olympics. I don't... I think what they want to avoid is... Where it gets to be weird is when McLaughlin... If McLaughlin wins it and she's in the 20s. I think... If you're fifth, sixth, seventh, I think that still says, okay, you're in the upper tier. Yeah, that's here. true. This is in, it's interesting though, because yeah, Warholm, Krauser, plan is DeGrasse, Bednarik, Curley, Warner, Ingebrigtsen, who we, I would put Warner and Ingebrigtsen again ahead of those, those sprinters. Stahl is all the way down in 13th. Where is Gardner on this? I guess because he wasn't, he wasn't running the big meets. He was just winning smaller stuff, but. 61st, Stephen Gardner, 61st. But I think he has the best case for, for a sprinter. I do. I'm going to stand by it. He was good. He was good. But I think that, that does it, I think. Right? So you're going – Are you, you're in agreement with me, Krauser over Warholm? Yeah, I agree with that. Krauser over Warholm. If you don't give it to Warholm – Or sorry, if you don't give it to Krauser, excuse me. If you don't give it to Krauser, it's just you got to ask yourself what he would have to have done to do it. Because in the equivalent sprint side of things, if someone ended the year in sprints with the top three marks in history, if if Trayvon Bromel or Fred Curley or Andre DeGrasse ran 955, 956, and 957 in the 100 and they didn't win, <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah. 
All right, I'll, 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 I'll Elaine Thompson goes to 10, 1042, 1045, 1046. Nope. Sorry. Nope, not good enough. Gotta go to, nope, nope. Gotta give it, give it another direction. Now, on the flip side, again, Warholm, 45, man, 45 in the four hurdles. That's nuts. But, and he should have, he didn't get it last year, right? Because it was Mondo. Warholm, okay, here's Warholm, Warholm could turn into Ed Chez in the Bowerman, but where he has this insane career but never gets it because his timing was just off. We could be heading for that scenario, Gordon. What? Okay, here's the question. I think they should give it to the crowd. I think they will. But you came up the scenario. Can you imagine someone ran, you know, 955, 956, 957 and doesn't get it? Yeah. What would someone need to run in another event? Say Fred Curley runs 955, 956, 957 in the same season. All right. And that's his resume. Yeah. Let's it's also let's make it an off year so there's no world championship. So there that's taken away. Yeah. Does it in 20 whatever. What could one person, what could be a singular mark one person could throw down that would trump that? In any event, or are you talking about any event in, in the 100? Oh. Would a 139, would a 139 in the 100 trump it? I honestly don't think it, if, and they did nothing else. The rest of the time they ran well, 145 or 139 and they have like a bunch of 141s, 142s, you know. Did they win gold? There's no there's no championship. Oh, there's no championship? Oh, well then yeah, yeah. Then yes, that that would do it cuz I think in the years where there's no championship, I think they would weight heavily towards just times. Um We got some questions. Do you say a 139 is more impressive than three sub Usain Bolt records? Oh, oh, sorry. I, I, I misunderstood your question. I misunderstood the question. I misunderstood yeah. the question. No, I think they would. I think they would still give it to the person who went under Usain Bolt's world record. What about time. correct Kipchoge breaking I mean, it, two, but doing it on yeah. a on a regular course? I think that might do it, just because as a marathoner, he's only expected to compete a couple times a year, so you couldn't ding him on the well. Why did he do it as many times? Yeah. But I just think there's going to be a 100-meter bias and that person's going to garner a lot of attention, rightfully so, if they, if this person probably isn't, may, may not even be born yet, runs 956, 957, 958. I just think – I think they would get it. So. No, it would be a, 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 like a, like a, it'd be an interesting thing. But imagine if like, all right, someone does that. But instead, imagine someone breaks the world record in the 800 five times. Runs 139 yeah. five times this season. Would yeah. that be better than three times in a 958? See, these are the questions that keep me up at night when I debate this thing. Because uh, I think so, uh, three times under 958 would be more impressive than five 139s because I think people just have the bias towards the 100. Well, yeah, there's what's more, Im- there's what's more impressive and there's what would win. Those are two different questions. Yeah, and- I'm, I'm thinking what would win. Will win. Well, I think I think there's going to be a, a sprinter uh, angle to it for sure. Especially, I mean, 800 is a little more relatable. The question would be, would it a field event? Yeah, a javelin thrower versus a 100 meter sprinter. Then then it would get get even more complicated. I think. 
All right. So hold on. We got two questions here. I wanted to, Anthony says, shouldn't this award be based on accomplishment world records and Olympic gold have to be given premium bumps? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think my barrier to entry is you have to have an Olympic gold or a world championship gold. That's just how I separate it. There has to be an extremely rare scenario where you don't win the Olympics or world championships and you are still in this conversation. doesn't mean you have to win every event that you're entered in, but you need to at least get one world records, obviously, but not all world records are created equal. There was a lot. What makes Krauser's mark so impressive is he broke a record. We didn't think was attainable because the guy who had it got popped for steroids, you know, and you compare that record to more recent world records. Some are more attainable than others. It's, it's like we can view Elaine Thompson, hurrahs 1054. Uh, and give it its proper due, knowing that 1048 is just really, really out there. It's, and it's been out there for a while versus some of these other uh, more recent marks. But I also think if it is athlete of the year, it's about your season as well, too. Again, that's that's not to say I'm going to ding people who compete a bunch, who take a loss or two. No, that's fine. Like Mondo, that's fine. You got a loss or two. I'd rather have you compete. Um, but we can't just make it like with the McLaughlin versus Stefan Hassan debate. It's just like, she ran three, 400 meter hurdle finals the whole year. You could pick her for performance of the year. And I wouldn't, our singular race of the year wouldn't argue that, but you compare that to someone who competes more. I think if we're talking about athlete of the year, you have to weigh, Hey, did they compete all year? And not just a couple times. Yeah. It's not athlete of the meet. It's athlete of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then we got one uh, all in the game. Which which athlete, male or female, is capable of winning five consecutive global titles from 2021 to 2025? I love this question. We talked about it. Who can do six from 20? Well, I guess. Wait, no, hold on. We are in 2021. My brain broke there. Uh, we, we could eliminate some people. So, because we, we did this before the season started, right? Uh, yeah, with people from 2019. And we thought yeah. Grant Holloway oh. was going to be one of them. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me uh, list. Here you go. So we can narrow this down now. So list of Olympic champions in track and field. I'll get the full list here. Um, does anybody jump out right away to you? I'm looking at uh, – okay, so I'll just go through it. Jacobs, no. So he's asking from today, from 2021 to – not not including 2019. Let's just take it from right, right. 2021. Yeah, yeah. Marcel Jacobs is a no. Andre de Grasse is a no. Steven Gardner, I'd say no. Manuel Career is a no. Jakob Ingebrigtsen, that's a maybe. Joshua Cheptegei, I'd say no. Selman Barrega, I'd say no. Hansel Parchment, I'd say no. Carson Warholm is a maybe. Sufani Elpikali is a no. No. Um, Tambury or Barsham, I would say no. Duplantis is a maybe. Yeah. Tentacola, long jump, no. Pachardo, triple jump, no. Krauser is a maybe. Stahl, the discus, I would say maybe. Nowinski and Hammer, no. And Chopra, Javelin, no. Warner, Decathlon, I would say no. So I would say on the men's side, it's really just Ingebrigtsen, Warholm, and Duplantis, who really have, and Krauser. Those four. I would upgrade. To, yeah. The only the only disagreement I have is I would upgrade a I'd upgrade Shepard to a maybe. 
Okay. Other than that, I like your list. Okay. Women's side? Women. Elaine Thompson-Hurrah, definitely. Miller Weibo, maybe. A thing Mo is a definitely in my mind. Yeah. I'd... Kip Yegon, I would say yes. Safana San, yes. Matcha Quinn, <laughs> probably not. Cindy McLaughlin, I would say maybe. There's a Shmuta, hey, So everybody, you picked no. everybody. Everybody's going to win yeah, five I mean, goals in a row, according to. Could you see Thompson Harab winning five in a row? Yes. Miller Weibo in the 400? Yes. A thing Mo in the eight? Yes. Kip Yegon in the 15? Yes. Safana San in the five or 10? Yes. Sydney in the 400 hurdles? Yes. Like, Sydney and a thing are young. Thompson's running out of her mind. Shane, Sean A. Miller Weibo can do it. Like, the competition of four. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of women who can do it. Okay. Rojas in the triple, I'd say yes. Yeah. So the I think Mo is the best candidate of that group, though. You agree with me? I'd say Sydney's a better candidate. No? Okay. Keep going. Go I distance. mean, I know Sydney has harder competition because Delilah is still in her prime. Yeah. I think a thing Mo, 800, crazy things happen. I don't know. I feel like she might, it might be easier to get hurt in an 800 than it is in a four. I don't know. I think a thing Mo will probably win four or five, but I could see Sydney mm-hmm. going five for five. When we talked about this before, I looked up how many people. Now, this is a weird situation because the postponement, you have this five in a row group, but how many people have run off that many? It's a small group. Like the amount of people that have actually done it in history is really, really small. So, because injuries happen, uh, you hit hurdles, something goes wrong, uh, don't make the team because something fluky happens, there's a possibility. I. I, I think I, I would say Mo is number one, and then I would say Sydney number two. What about on the – you said you stopped it. Oh, yeah, Hassan is five and ten. You said Camacho Quinn. Okay, anybody else in the field event side of things? Um, Allman maybe in the discus? I don't know. I don't really know the throws that well, to be honest. I feel like um, – You mentioned Rojas, right? Hammer definitely not because Hammer is very – in and out. Um, I don't know. I think Rojas is the most consistent in the triple. Maybe Gong of shop in the shop put from China. She's good. Mm-hmm. But All I right. don't know. That's, that's a good question. I love it. I like revisiting it. And I think it's kind of cool each year. You'll like narrow the list, narrow the list a little more. And then maybe there'll be no one left by the time you get to 2025. Or maybe there'll Will be. Will we even still be here? That's a better question uh, in more ways than one. That is a very good question to ask. Who knows? Uh, the email address, flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. We got an email from Liam that we'll read on Friday. Uh, he was inspired by your cross country show and he came up with an idea with how to make track even better that he says, he Ooh. admits right off the top in his first sentence, no one would actually do this, but, and then he wrote, wrote a long response. That's... So we'll read that one. <laughs> Those are the best types of articles. Uh, subscribe. Yeah, no one will actually do this, but yeah. <laughs> Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel and subscribe to the Flowtrack channel as well to get Gordon's Cross Country Show. Thanks to our producer, Colt. As always, thank you to my co-host, Gordon Mack. We'll be back on Friday. Friday.